0: Hello again. Long time no see. Welcome to episode 28 of the Kevin Doherty podcast. My guest today is Pierce McConkie. Pierce has been a guest on the podcast before. And this morning, we sat down to discuss UFC 260 and had a conversation that included inversion therapy, mandatory quarantine hotels, Martial arts training, Francis Ngannou, and a new era in the heavyweight division. Will Francis defend his title against John Jones? Who is the greatest of all time? Why is the UFC gaining such popularity? What's next for Conor McGregor and the lightweight division? And a look ahead to the upcoming UFC 261. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you helped spread the word by recommending it to a friend or sharing it on your Instagram stories and tagging me at the Kevin Daugherty Podcast. Thanks for listening. Pierce McConkey. it is Tuesday the 30th of March. The birds are chirping, the sun is shining, there's a feeling of lockdown one. The Great Lockdown in Dublin. How are you getting on, brother?
1: Yes, very well, very well. How are you? Thanks for having me on again.
0: No bother, man, it's it's been a long time since we... Yeah, I was going to say, it's been a long time since we've uh, properly had a chat, but uh, it's fantastic to see you. Um, I'm good, man. Um, What's new? The only thing that's happened in my life recently is I I used to own one inversion table, and now I own two. I got a... Teeter Dex Two yesterday, which is a, a different type of inversion table, and I think I'm going to donate my original one to my good buddy Nige. So that's about the height of it for Kev. How
1: about yourself? Well, you're going to have to talk. Well, you're going to have to talk me through what exactly an inversion table is. Have you never heard of an inversion table? Never.
0: Okay, so the idea behind inversion therapy, as it's called, is. Basically, so I'll talk about my original inversion table first, okay? My original inversion table is like a classic inversion table. Um, and when I say a classic inversion table, what I mean is you you hop up into it, you secure your feet, kind of like a, like a 19th century carnival ride. Right? It's like you kind of lock in your feet with this kind of like old metal contraption, okay? And then you're okay. standing upright on a table that can flip with your body weight so what you do is you lean back you flip upside down and you hang from your ankles all right and the idea behind it is that it's supposed to really help with spinal decompression so if you have any back injuries if you have and any sort of lower back injuries especially or even if you just want to strengthen your back it's a very good way to to strengthen those muscles and to to release tension in your muscles but I did a little and there's a fantastic head rush as well I
1: cannot tell a lie it's it's a magnificent well, feeling. Can it go horribly wrong like can you like overextend and then you're like left crippled for the rest of the week or is there like uh like what way does that work? You can't overextend,
0: but I nearly did have a horror show in the first couple of weeks that I had it because uh, the girl who I was living with, she had a friend over and the friend was like, what the fuck is that? I have to give this a go. And she adjusted it to her height. And then I came home after like a long day at work. Obviously, I just assumed it would be set to my original height. I hopped on and nearly slapped my head off the ground. like So, <laughs> so while, while there are minimum risks... Uh, make sure that you always check the height on your inversion table for anybody listening at home. Basically, what I, what I liked about the original inversion table is that it's easy to use and it does release a little bit of the tension in your lower back. But when I started to research it a little bit more, if you think about it, so I described something where you hang from your ankles, okay? Okay. So, so if you think about it, Think about all the joints that you have to go through before you get to your lower back. So you have your ankles, you have your knees, you have your hips. And by the time you get to your your lower back, uh, I think you're probably getting less release in that area than you're probably led to believe. So uh, my girlfriend got me a new Teeter Dex 2 inversion table. The great thing about this inversion table is that... You actually hang from your hips. So imagine, what's the best way to describe it? Uh, when I'm upside down, it looks like I'm sitting at a desk. Like I'm, it looks like my feet are like this in this right angle. Like my feet are here, my hips are here, and you literally hang off the edge of the table from your hips. And that, I, I noticed the
1: difference in that already. It's it's a magnificent thing. I'm getting serious Hannibal actor vibes. I'm trying to visualize this. There, there is a bit of that. Like you, you
0: don't want to create
1: the vibe of a sex dungeon. Like, but it, it, looks a bit odd if somebody comes in at this stage. That's the, the picture you've painted there. Like some sort of medieval, kind of like sex dungeon. <laughs> uh, Chastity belts everywhere. To be honest, to be honest, I'm sold. Uh, if you're looking a buyer for the, uh, the previous inversion table, I'm your man. I've already don donated a free charge to Niggs, So, uh, but, I like
0: they're they're very cheap, man. You can get one for less than. 150 euro like for for the
1: older one and they're really good that's it's a lot cheaper than i thought you were going to say there well i, I do you have any chronic back problems not that i have
0: bad back problems but i'm very much of the opinion that with your lower back it only takes one injury and then you're fucked for the rest of your life so what i like about the the teeter decks too is the way it it positions you you can actually do a lot of back exercises you know like back raises and stuff like that so that's mm-hmm. what i'm trying to kind of focus on with the with the new inversion table and
1: a lot of people like the chiropractor i would have been under the assumption that the chiropractor is like something if you have a back issue you know obviously go to the chiropractor but like i've heard Recently, like a a lot of people, uh, I think uh, it might've been Rogan. I might've heard this from Rogan. I get all my bro sounds obviously from podcasts, (laughs) but chiropractors are kind of useless. They're kind of, it's a bit of a gimmick, is it?
0: Again, it kind of depends on who you talk to because what I would never try to underplay is how powerful the placebo effect is on somebody. Like they've done studies where somebody needed knee surgery They've mm-hmm. done basically a placebo surgery where they made a small incision, like basically they made the outer cut on the knee, and 12 months later, people reported extreme improvements in their knee. So there's bizarre things that the mind can do. Like if you think a chiropractor's helping you, then it could be helping you. But I've also heard the origins of chiro- like being a chiropractor, is quite skeptical. And when you hear like you're a doctor in chiropractic medicine, that's not like a doctor doctor. If that makes sense,
1: did these people who uh, had the knee issues were they led to believe that they were getting a knee operation, or were they were they in on the uh, on the joke too? No, no.
0: Obviously, you can't you can't think it's a placebo. Like you can't think it's a placebo when you're doing the thing. But yeah, they were yeah. they were basically taught to- like they got they got put under by is it. General anaesthetic is the one that puts you out and local anaesthetic numbs an area. Yeah. So they were put under general anaesthetic. They were told that they were getting full reconstructive knee surgery. And literally the doc, the surgeon just... Uh,
1: it sounds like a shitty reality TV show as well. It's like, why pay lives. people's lives? But like, I know, because these these guys could end up going and doing a triathlon or something thinking that they have exactly. you know, full recovery of the knee.
0: <laughs> but there is, there is weird things where... Like there's there's been weird stories where like people have been misdiagnosed with with cancer and subsequently die in the next three to six months because they believe they're terminally ill. Like the
1: mind is a weird thing, man. That's strange. That's actually frightening to think about that. I have no back issues, but I have like really tight hamstrings, uh, really like tight hamstrings, weak glutes. Uh, so any time that I'd like to do a squat or do like leg exercises, my back obviously makes up for the weakness in my legs and my, and my uh, hamstrings. And then the next thing I've got to really I've sort of tweak my back for the week. And um, if you have the space in your house for one of
0: these things, it would revolutionize your life. I guarantee it. Like if you've any any back issues and like anybody who spends a large portion of their day at a desk, like sitting down like that is terrible for you. And just the relief you get from hanging from your hips and using the weight of your body to just release your back muscles. I can't recommend it highly enough. I've I've only had the new one 24 hours. Like
1: I must look into it. I've my, my hip flexors as well. Like I'm supposed to be doing, I'm supposed to be doing exercises like, uh, I'm supposed to be doing, what do you call them? It's basically for your hip flexors to build up your sort of flexibility in your hip flexors. Is it that's like where... a hip
0: extension or the opposite? Yeah.
1: Yeah. What do, we, what do you call one? Is it bridges where you're lying on the ground? Um, are you talking about like glute bridges or planks? Yes. Glute bridges. bridges. Mm. So that's something that I'm supposed to be doing. That's supposed to be my repertoire of stretches every morning, but they've been completely overlooked. So they have... So I mean when I'm 40 and I'm immobile, I've only myself to blame. <laughs> it's not as if I ha- it's not as if like I've got a really busy day and I can't fit in the five minutes of stretching. Like As you said, you've been off for the last nine weeks or so. What's that been like for you? Um Yeah, we're speaking briefly before we come on here just about the situation and obviously nine weeks. Um with a further five weeks now, I've just got the, uh, the nods to tell me that, yeah, the bad news. Um, you know, whatever, whatever's good for business, you know, I'm a team player. Gotta if you want good. me to put the feet up for another five weeks, if that's <laughs> what it's going to take, you know, I'm, I'm your you man. the teeter
0: decks too would really help you put the feet up.
1: Really? They'd be up in the you air. You must, I think you're, you must be, uh, are you, do you get commission for these? Are you... Uh, Are they a sponsor of the podcast? No, unfortunately. um, I'm just, uh,
0: when I discover good things, I like to spread the word. And I'm an enthusiastic word spreader.
1: Uh, Because remember, it was probably this time last year, you were trying to recommend the, uh, the floating tank. You were uh, an advocate for the floating tank, weren't you? You've got one. There's one down in Dublin, obviously. There's a place that doesn't. I don't know if there is a place up here in the north that does. There that. was a place in
0: Dublin, but Harvest Moon has been shut down now for pretty much all of the the pandemic. I and I, I'm kinda sickened because I don't know if it's going to reopen again. And I have one of those like I, I was a big believer that, you know, no no sort of pandemic is going to shut anything down. And I have a voucher outside for about 20 floats that I don't know <laughs> might just be a piece of cardboard now by the end of this. My yeah. uh my friend from school back in Limerick, uh Ana Healy, he's actually opening a, a float center in Limerick. I think it's called Revival Rooms. He said he's going to open up in the next in the next month or two. So that's kinda exciting.
1: Have you asked if your little uh, if your vouchers will be valid in his establishment? <laughs> but do they carry over?
0: I don't think that's how capitalism works.
1: But um, <laughs> I'm definitely excited to give the place a go. Like it, the way
0: the way he seems to be building it, he's really kind of customer centric and about about the experience, which is which is what you want.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I'd love to. I'd love to try it. I'd love to try us on the bucket list. I just need somewhere closer to home. Like, I can't really justify during these times to drive down to Limerick or Dublin and go for an hour in the tank and then back up the road again.
0: Absolutely. Um, speaking of Dublin, just one of the most bizarre uh stories that I've heard since uh since lockdown three started. So like the Irish government um really took their time with trying to bring in these mandatory quarantine hotels yeah so the idea is that if you arrive in the country from a high risk area and you don't have a negative PCR test they put you into this hotel you have to pay for it it's a mandatory quarantine hotel you're supposed to stay there 14 days Uh, day one that the hotel was open three people just walked out of the hotel and the hotel's only like a kilometer from where I live like so I was like, what the fuck is going on? A mandatory quarantine hotel, and they just walked out the front door.
1: You should remove the words mandatory and quarantine. That's a hotel. Somebody uh, must have been coming towards the end of their shift or something. There must have been a, a shift swap over, like, and... I think so. One fella's still on the run, bizarrely. He's on the run?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, he, he has a couple of weeks in Ireland. He wants to see the sights, like, you know... Go up to the go up to the cliffs of Moher. Uh, you know, walk the prom in Salt Hill. Go up and see the Giants Causeway, and then get out of here. That's crazy. Where? Where's the? Are they all from the same place? Where are they from? They haven't released any details about. They just said three people, and two of them came back to the hotel. I don't even know if there's going to be any kind of like punitive action. The weird thing is, as well, the way the law is structured. If you kind of read into it, it says that the punishment is. Uh, a month in a month in prison which is like that's john that's that's a pretty good punishment like the other punishment is a 2000 euro fine which is the price of the original hotel so if you paid two grand to stay in a hotel for two weeks and you walked out after the first day i don't think two grand is going to be much of an issue like
1: to be honest though if i had the choice of doing a month in an irish prison or paying two grand I'd, pr- I'd probably go for the I'd probably go for the prison stay to be honest oh really why <laughs> with that accent well, I, mean, <laughs> I just like I feel like you know going to stay in, in a prison in Ireland wouldn't be much of a you know we've, we've all been with this was the second or third lockdown no, I don't think it would it'd be much of a of a of a culture change to be honest like I think like Irish prisons you get the comfort of a TV and your own cell. and Yeah. It's not exactly Oz like, Oz-like, is it? Yeah. You're just, obviously you're just confined to that little small room, but it's not much of a difference of what we're already experiencing. That kind of brings us on to
0: what we were going to talk about today. Do you have any fighting experience, Pierce, or any
1: martial arts experience? In abundance. <laughs> I'm a dangerous guy. Back me in the corner and I'm, I'm a dangerous guy. Um, Fighting experience, not in my younger days, like I would probably have got into a lot of scuffles. Um, but as if growing more mature, and I've uh, no, I think the last fight I get into was probably university, probably first year of university. I remember getting into a scuffle in a nightclub, and that's that's going fight, back, fighting back over, over ideas, years obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do. What it was. It was. uh I was in a nightclub in Belfast, and just out of nowhere, I was just sought on by like three or four guys. I think it was like a mistaken identity thing. Um, but that was the. uh But I say three or four guys. It sounds worse than it actually is. But you know, with the adrenaline rush. It's like, and it's over in like 30 seconds. There's maybe and, two.
0: And uh, which hospitals were they brought <laughs>
1: Um, That's a good question. Um, it was one of those things where when you're getting like, when there is like three or four people and you're getting maybe like touched to the back of the head and any sort of space that they can get in, the adrenaline, and because it's over so quick, like it always sounds worse than it is, but you walk out completely unscathed. Yeah. When that adrenaline starts pumping, like you can't feel the punch at the time. Exactly. And I think all of them were probably a lot bigger than I was. Um, And as I say, three or four people, it it does sound horrific. Like, but I don't think, I don't think there was any, I don't think I was injured or I don't think that, you know, I walked away with any sort of, you know, there was no, there's no pain or anything from it. It was just kind of over in a flash. And that's, I think, I think that's the last time I got into a fight. Have you ever trained martial arts? Never. No. I boxed. I used to box when I was younger. That's a martial um, art. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I boxed right up until I was about 15 or 16. So really? I did. I did it for about two or three years. Did but, you ever compete? Did you ever spar? I did. Yeah. The way it worked, we would uh train Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So you'd do all obviously all your cardio and bag work each evening and then at the end of the evening you'd be called into the ring to do a bit of sparring. So you'd spar sort of three times a week. Wow. Um and tournaments then you you yeah, you'd go to a couple of tournaments throughout the year. I actually did I'm actually a, you're talking to a throne champion here, Kevin. Really? Really, I still put that oh, in my CV. Classman, <laughs> what age? Uh, what age was I? I think I was fourteen or fifteen. But um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to come clean. Um, when you enter throne championships or any sort of provisional championships, if they can't find an opponent that sort of matches your age and weight, then you automatically receive a certificate. So you're Tyrone Champion in brackets by default. By default, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I maintain that there was challengers out there, my age and weight, but they just they didn't want They didn't want any part of this. They didn't want to go through hell. Nah, exactly. So <laughs> that's that's my story, and I've stuck to it all these years later. <laughs>
0: My experience is very, very limited. I remember I was punched in the face outside a junior disco. I didn't return with any physical violence because I was just shocked. I think I got in one fight after a nightclub in town. But again, not a lot to talk about there. It just didn't really come come to anything. It's always a nightclub. Man, drink, alcohol. Alcohol is just, dear God. And then like 2 o'clock at night, uh you haven't pulled, so let's just beat the shit out of somebody. That's kinda of like the mentality inside in
1: town. It's fucked up. It's so primitive, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And it's 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 worse, like through your uh early mid teens, like like teenage discos were like teenage discos were so violent. Dangerous. I don't know what it was like in Dangerous. Denver, but where I grew up in Cookstown, like it was just and it was so tribal, like it was towns against other towns and it was just as you said it was dangerous like it was it was underage drinking wasn't the biggest issue of teenage discos it was definitely the it was definitely the the
0: the violence like and i think as well at at underage discos it's like when you when i think of like uh like going to a nightclub as an adult, I always think drink plays such a part. But at an underage disco, lads would go there just 100% to get in a fight. Like, like they'd know a mm. fight is going to happen. Like, they don't need a drink.
1: And, and because, because they weren't able to, obviously, get a drink inside, because they didn't sell alcohol, these teenage discos, what would happen is, you would meet for pre-drinks, and there'd be, like, a group of 10 guys, you know, drinking up a lane. And then they'd be going to the establishment, you know, completely lit. Yeah. And full of testosterone. And, and the first thing, you know, on their mind is, you know, let's, let's get into a fight. Let's, you know, let's ruin somebody's night. And when you, when you were out, you were so careful. You didn't want to look at somebody the wrong way. You didn't, you're always, you didn't want to give anybody any excuse. Exactly. Because you just didn't know. Even, you know, even if it was one guy, you, you knew he wasn't out by himself. You you knew, you know, that he had a crowd of guys to back him up if something if something did kick off. So it was
0: I think as well, I was an innocent kid, like I was an innocent kid, you know, like like Limerick was rough enough the time, but I was kinda like in a, a very safe area. I remember the first time I went to a junior disco and you'd see like remember when you were like thirteen or fourteen, a sixteen year old was a man and you'd be yeah. like, Oh dear God, like I you're you're entering a shark pit here,
1: like especially if he had a wee mustache. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Man, isn't Listen. it weird the way mustache is now? When's the last time you've seen a man wear a mustache unironically or for
1: just November? Sometimes, like whenever I shave, I usually shave it into a mustache and just take five minutes and acknowledge it in the mirror. Are you talking Stalin, and- Hitler. I don't really have a strong mustache. Um, it's kind of like a like a Mexican car dealer mustache. Um, kind of a weak mustache compared to the rest of my facial hair. I could grow a good beard, but the mustache is always like the... It's my Achilles heel. Like, you can always... Um, yeah, I, I've always had a weak mustache. So I'm always jealous when I say a good, strong mustache. Like a Tom Selleck or something? Yeah, like I never take part in
0: Movember. I hear you. I'm I'm the same. Like I, I don't know if I could grow a, a proper proper mustache at this stage yet. I think if I could, I definitely would. In terms of martial arts experience, then like again, I'm quite limited. I, unlike you who actually boxed, I completed like a four month beginner's boxing course. So like if if somebody tried to rob me and jumped out from behind a corner and had pads and shouted a combination, I might be able to do something. But besides that, I'm kind of a bit fucked. Sounds so like only... brand cattle. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing i've done is before the first lockdown i started a uh, jujitsu in the gi and just before so i got maybe like six or eight lessons in with that and before that i tried one no gi session in like my local gym and i remember even in the warm-up i did like two cast tumbles and i was like oh i fucked up my neck i was just like <laughs> oh it was it was brutal i remember like i was I was like, uh, what would you call it? Like rolling with uh, a fella, and he was just dominating me slowly. And at the end of it, we were chatting, and he was. I was like, uh, just talking about like you know membership and this and that. And he said that he was paying like a much lower price, and I was like, I was like, oh, it's it's that much for you? Like why is that? And he was like, I'm 16, and I was just like,
1: right. Is this it, was Ruiz having this conversation as he was on top of you, dominating you? I was I was trying to befriend him as uh, he's tried to slowly choke me out. <laughs> uh, you're at the you're at the bottom asking about membership fees. <laughs> <laughs> Just procrastinating. I wonder how much this is going to cost me. Keep your friends close and your enemies closer, Pierce. Well, I I tried to transition from uh, boxing into kickboxing when I was about fifteen or sixteen, and my first night of the uh, of kickboxing training, I remember. Uh, <laughs> they couldn't find anybody to sort of spar with me because everybody was obviously at a different level because they'd obviously been training for much longer than I was. Obviously it's my first night. I didn't anticipate sparring on my first night of kickboxing anyway, but they must've thought always oh, come from boxing. Like you can obviously, he can handle himself a wee bit. He knows what he's doing. So the only, uh, the only person that they were able to throw me in the ring with was this girl. Who wasn't even like, uh, I'm not even talking like a girl who was like an elite kickboxer. Like, I think she was much younger and much smaller than me. And I think it might have been like her uh, her first week or two as well. And I remember they put us in the ring together. And they actually, you know, fully anticipated us having a sparring session. And it was the strangest experience. It actually was that strange. I never went back. That was the one and only time that I went to the training. What happened I was like 14 or 15 and I had a spar against this girl who was obviously, it was her first couple of sessions too and she was maybe 13 or 14. And it was just kind of like, it was kind of like punching in slow motion kind of thing. And I think I might've threw a couple of kicks at like her ankle or something. Um. Oh God, it was the strangest experience. But you um, retained the Tyrone Championship. It wasn't on the line. Ah. I, made that quite, I made that quite clear boxing man you never make the big fights like yeah that that's it it was corrupt you know um but i as i said i went to one session and never that was enough to put me off like it's strange how one bad experience can
0: just it it can close the door on something that you're interested in like you, it it's so important to have positive early experiences with something that Maybe not for you at the time because you had done a bit of boxing, but if somebody's going to walk into a martial arts gym, you want it to be a friendly communal place where you can learn from the absolute ground up. If you have a bad experience initially, it can
1: really just close that door, if that makes sense. Yeah, and the girl, I didn't actually know the girl, but in those kind of situations, like you're never going to forget a face. So I would, uh, I would see her. From time to time, around the town, then I just recognize her feet. I think we had a mutual understanding where we'd recognize each other, but nobody would, you know, you would just ignore it and walk away. But it was kind of like every time I seen her, a shiver went down my spine.
0: <laughs> <sighs> um, this past weekend, UFC two hundred and sixty. There's a new heavyweight champion of the world. What did you think of the main event? Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou. Was it ever in doubt? I see. Like, I think it's so easy to play like armchair quarterback or hindsight fucks at you. I in the run-up in the week before the weigh-in, before you saw what Stipe was on the scale, what Francis was on the scale. Stipe ended up coming in like. Close to, to 10 pounds lighter. Something? Yeah, 10 like close to 10 pounds lighter than the first time he fought him. Before I saw Stipe step on the scale, I thought my heart says Francis, my head says Stipe. I thought Stipe was going to find a way to capitalize on his wrestling. And I thought if Francis didn't knock him out in the first round, possibly the second round, I thought Stipe would win. But I think
1: that's what everybody sort of, uh, Thought, so, But I think, I i don't know for you, but I think inside the first minute, I think it was obvious and Ghani was just going to win it. Just how measured he was and just how good he looked, I think it was just obvious that Stipe was in a completely different fight.
0: Yeah, I thought, I was really impressed with how patient Francis was. I was really impressed with how he had definitely made the right decision to move MMA gyms and get some real top-class coaches. Like, his his kicking game was quite good. But as soon... Like, the the absolute turning point in the fight was Stepe went for a takedown. Francis reverses it, takes his back and beats the shit out of him. Like, sprawls like a wrestler. Once I saw that, I was like, well, Stipe can't... Like, Stepe literally offered nothing in the first round. Like, it was... A patient Francis Nganu is a terrifying prospect.
1: Yeah, completely terrifying. And I didn't realize until the actual fight where they did the... Uh, do you know where before they fight, it comes up their age, weight, reach, whatever. Uh, I didn't realize until then that Francis is like 34. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, he's he's had a long road to the UFC as well. Like yeah. the, the thing I love about Francis is his story like his life story is just incredible it's crazy like escaping cameroon uh making his way through africa up to morocco to try and get to europe i think he got kicked back into the sahara desert six or seven times finally he gets to europe uh from morocco it took him like 12 months then he gets popped in jail in spain for 2 months ends up being homeless in paris and from there transitions into mma and here we are now he is heavyweight champion of the world
1: he's just a freak athlete but as i say a 34 like i thought maybe francis was early 30s or late 20s so i thought oh okay here we go he's going to dominate for the next couple of years but like i don't know how realistic it is that he well I suppose he's because he's heavyweight obviously he can go in his late 30s early 40s but i did think he was much younger than that I think
0: as well fighting is a little bit different than football. I think you do peak a little bit later. Like the the I think the big thing with a fighter hitting his peak is what sort of damage have they taken up until a certain like let's say I think things start to click into place for a top class fighter 32 33 like in terms of your skill level is probably at its height and you just have to yeah. hope that your body hasn't been beaten up by that stage in your life Francis looks in peak like Francis
1: is what a child would draw if they were drawing a superhuman yeah um, yeah it reminds me of my physique at 14 and 15 whenever I was obviously a true champion <laughs> um, he uh, yeah and he's, he's taken relatively probably zero damage up until now because he tends to just go in and finish a fight like that Rosenstruck one was the funniest
0: and that was the question, that was the big question for me coming in, because, like, I knew what Stipe could do in terms of his his ability, his doggedness. He could definitely go five rounds and wear you down. Whereas, like, in the last four fights that Francis has fought, what did you learn about him? He's, uh, he can knock you into another dimension. That's, like, his fights are so yeah. short that it, it was, v- I thought it was very hard to know what it would be like if
1: Stipe was able to As they say, drag him into deep Waters <laughs> Did you watch any of the uh, The Embedded beforehand Because I actually didn't watch any of the build up, So I don't know what Stipe was like Leading up to this fight, like was he Confident, was he overconfident Stipe was Very
0: confident in his Abilities and I think Like He should be confident, like he his record he he has to go down as one of if not the greatest heavyweight of all time just by the people he's beaten and defended the title to like i realized that francis has just gotten to the let's call it the peak of the mountain it's one thing to get there it's quite another to stay there like a like a GSP like a John Jones like it's it's different to get the mentality shift where you're chasing one person and then you turn around and every killer in the UFC is chasing you if you didn't watch the the embedded as well uh have you heard much of Francis like he is like the
1: nicest guy ever like he is just a gentle giant like yeah i remember like the first fight watching the build up to the first fight with Ngannou and Stipe, and obviously, like the whole UFC hype train was behind Ngannou. They were just pushing and pushing for him, obviously, to become the heavyweight champion. Obviously, because he's so much more marketable. Yeah, and Stipe, like Stipe, Stipe is a champion, but Stipe is
0: a dull individual. Like, and I, I don't mean yeah. that as like a, an insult, but he's just he's a regular guy. If he if he had like a real personality, like. He like he's he's still a firefighter while he's a UFC heavyweight yeah. champion. Like Stipe's story should be the all-American story, but Stipe never really liked that side of the business, and I think Stipe used that fuel of being an underdog all the time to kind of drive him on. That seems to be what you got as well from from the build-up.
1: Yeah, and that's that's obviously worked against him as well, like because. I think the more polarizing you are, you know, if you have people that are tuning in to watch you lose, sort of the McGregor Mayweather status, obviously. I mean, that's it's more bankable for you.
0: Yeah, like a fighter
1: or hate a fighter, it, you you just you just as a fighter, you just need to people to feel an emotion either way. Exactly, exactly, and I, as you say, I don't think anybody feels anything towards Stipe. He's just, I think people recognize and acknowledge that he may be the greatest heavyweight of all time, but I think because he isn't polarizing, and he doesn't divide opinion. It's easy just to, to lose him.
0: I think as well, like just what, what amazes me about Francis is that three years ago, he was dominated dominated by Stipe like Stipe fought the best fight he could against that man and what I loved about Francis afterwards you saw him fight Derek Lewis he looked like a broken individual like he looked scared of getting hit scared of getting into a fight that that air of invincibility that fighters carry around until it's broken it looked completely gone in Francis and the punditry in UFC it's it's very reactionary, as in, once Francis lost that first fight and subsequently just didn't perform against Derek Lewis, it, it felt like everybody was writing Francis off. And I think there's nothing sweeter than a redemption story against the man who dominated you three years ago. And to pull it off in such spectacular fashion, Francis is a superstar. But the big question is, who is his next fight going to be? and. If it does end up being a certain ex light heavyweight champion, can Jones do the business on him?
1: Oh, good question. Just to go back on what you said, just obviously everybody knows Francis is an absolute powerhouse. But I think coming back from the state bay fight shows the mental strength there as well, which people probably, you know, probably did wouldn't have given credit for. Probably people didn't. Recognize, but the, the fact that he actually came back from that showed the resilience and now he's the heavyweight champion, says Tremendous. A lot. Whether Stepe, obviously, you were saying Stipe has fought, you know, who, what, what is his resume? Like the Santos, he's beat the Santos, he's beat Cormier um, twice, Cormier, and Ganu, and I can't
0: think of the other fights, but he's defended he's defended the heavyweight belt more times than any more times
1: than anybody.
0: And again, it's tough. Like it's so like if if he had beat Francis at the weekend, then unquestionably everybody would be talking about Stipe as by far the greatest greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah. Now that it's one one, it, there's all this hindsight and there's all this. You'll hear like shitty fans just writing Stipe
1: off. But Stipe's record up to this point it is magnificent. Like, Well, I think what's going to work against Nganou is that there is no real high profile heavyweights anymore. You know what I mean? I think anybody who's top 10 and Ganu's already went through them. You know, when Stipe's coming up, he has Dos Santos. And, you know, you could have brought Brock Lesnar back. You could have had Cain Velasquez. I think he did come back. Um, for Agano, the only high-profile name for him to fight would be another state bay fight. Obviously, and... I think he has three options. I think he has three options. One
0: has to be like if, like the thing people hate about boxing is that the big fights sometimes never materialize. The good thing about the UFC is that the best fighters, like there, there are some exceptions in different organizations, but essentially. The best fighters in mixed martial arts fight for the UFC. So the best fights can be made. And the biggest, craziest fight that they could make this summer is definitely Francis Ngannou against John Jones. That that has to be the priority. But, but I don't know why you wouldn't let Stipe take some time, see what he wants to do. Would he be interested in a rematch? Because Stipe has been a fucking servant for the UFC. Like he yeah. has, he has defended that belt against, Like he fought Cormier three times. Like that is like even mentally, that is a lot. But yeah. the other fight that could potentially happen is Francis Ngannou has a
1: loss on his record to Derek Lewis. Nobody wants to say that, though. <laughs> like that's like well, maybe because he's because he's just recently become champion. That could be the first title. Defense, Derek and Lewis, Derek Lewis of the just knocked out Curtis Blades.
0: If I like actually, if I was advising Francis, I would say take the take uh, the Derek Lewis fight and tune yourself up, get a little bit better in terms of wrestling for the eventual John Jones fight. That's that's the way I would look at it.
1: Yeah. And then the only thing with Steve Bay, look, like, when do you fit a state bay fight in there? Because obviously he's gonna be on a few months suspension now. And
0: that's the thing. If if, if you're looking at a potential rematch against Stipe, first of all, like, Stipe is 38. Stipe has done it all. And it really did look at the weekend that Stipe was outclassed. You, I heard, like, some kind of, like, wrestling analysts saying that he didn't really shoot for the single leg in the way he should have apparently the technique wasn't fantastic but if if Stipe fought Francis in eight months time how much better could Stipe get versus Francis I think Francis could keep improving where that where he's a real real problem for Stipe so the Stipe fight is there's a little bit of ambiguity there as to what's the appetite from Stipe. I think that's the question there. Derek Lewis would 100% fight Francis Ngannou next. He is he is ready to fight Francis Ngannou. But I think you have to, you have to try and make the Jones fight. You have to.
1: Do you not think Stipe should have walked away? What do you mean? Like I, I Even before the fight, was not like I didn't understand why Stipe would have fought Ngannou again. It just seems like... It just seems inevitable, like everybody knew in was going to beat Stipe the second time, except for Stipe. Like, at 38, why not just walk away?
0: I disagree. Like, I know the betting odds had Francis as the favourite, but um, if you look at a lot of the, like, what we would call the top analysts,
1: they they thought Stipe was going to do it. I don't know. W- what do you think is going to happen then, do you think? Because I seen John Jones on Instagram today calling out Dana White because obviously in the post-press conference, Dana White was kind of like painting the narrative that John Jones is too afraid to come back and fight heavyweight. That is all uh public negotiations.
0: Happened with Connor, happened happened with all the bigger fighters. Dana's Dana's playing the game. Obviously, John Jones wants money to put his basically his undefeated legacy on the line against Francis. But there's no way John Jones is afraid of Francis Ngannou. There's no way he's afraid. Would you be excited to watch that fight? I'm not even joking. I think Jones could beat him. Do you? I think I think if Jones fought Stipe, Jones would have been able to dominate Stipe in the wrestling department. I think Jones potentially could dominate Francis in the wrestling department if he gets big enough. The only thing I would say with John Jones is that, again, compared to somebody like Francis John Jones spent so such a long time at the top in the light heavy heavyweight division and cleared out generations of fighters so the the mileage on John Jones is much more and I can't say that John Jones has looked convincing in his last two to three fights but that would be my issue but what I would say is that when is the last time that you saw a motivated John Jones? Somebody who didn't think that he could just turn up on the night, party fucking the week before and go in and kick some ass. The the light heavyweight uh the light heavyweight division definitely didn't interest him or motivate him anymore. And if you're John Jones and you're going to put everything on the line against this fucking behemoth that is Francis Ngannou, how would that not motivate you?
1: Yeah, you have to be all in because my only criticism with John Jones the last few John Jones fights, like if he's not all in, like how do you expect me to invest? Like, why should I watch a Jon Jones fight? Because it just, as you say, but it, like, it was just the the level of competition. It's hard to get out of bed and fight. Uh, like a, <laughs> it's hard to motivate yourself really to fight like an Alexander Gustafsson or, or uh, who, who who's the last guy you fought? You fought your guy Lionheart. He fought, if we're looking back, he
0: fought Dominic Reyes, which I thought, yeah. I thought I thought. Jones lost that fight. It was close, but I thought Jones lost that fight. He fought Tiago Santos, who gave him a very tough fight. Very tough fight. fight. But jo- Jones didn't dominate him, is what I'm saying.
1: And then the Anthony Smith fight
0: was one of the worst fights. Yeah, that was nothing like it. was just. But people forget as well, like... John Jones in his earlier years, the people that he just dominated, like he he was the Michael Jordan of mixed martial arts. Is there is there not a point to be made, though, as well, that a lot of people dislike John Jones because of certain things he's done in his past and maybe his his arrogance that he's just levels above everybody in the light heavyweight division. And similarly to maybe like a a Floyd Mayweather, people would buy that pay-per-view just to watch Jones get knocked the fuck out. I think, I think there's a lot of that as well.
1: Yeah. But also I don't, the likes of Floyd Mayweather, obviously he's polarizing and he's got a bit of an ego on this He's charismatic. I just don't get, there's not, I don't get the John Jones hype. Like I don't find him charismatic. I don't find him polarizing. I just find him really, I know I'm in the minority, but I just, I just find him uninteresting.
0: But I think as well, because you probably got into MMA at a certain point in time when John Jones had already cemented his legacy as one of the greatest that it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to grow up hearing the name Michael Jordan and then to watch him play baseball. You know what I mean? You're not getting, you're not getting the best years of John Jones. Like John Jones was never a spe- spectacularly flamboyant personality. He was just a phenom in the
1: octagon. I I can't believe you've actually compared John Jones to Michael Jordan. Who else is at that level in MMA, like are you telling me? There's there could be a Netflix, ten episodes on John jo- on John Jones. He has a pretty
0: interesting life. But th- a- a- answer me the question: Who, who is, who is uh, like what they've done in the sport? Who has done more than John Jones? Who has been more dominant than John Jones?
1: Do you mean just uh, you know? competitive ways like competition like beat who's put in front of him or do you mean like somebody like McGregor who's completely transcended the sport
0: so let, let's kind of pick apart who i would kind of judge to be up there with jones i well I do you know first... what
1: i would actually say sorry to interrupt you but going back to what you said there i would actually argue khabib and i know there was a bit of back and forth with who's the the pound for pound between John Jones and Khabib, and he's argued that he's faced stiffer competition. But I think if you look at the whole package in terms of the competition, and that lightweight division is so stacked as well, as everybody knows, the competition that Khabib has went through, as well as he's kind of transcended the sport himself as as well. Like you could compare Khabib outside of the sport to McGregor, and I think he's the only one that you could compare it. To McGregor, in terms of what he's done in and out of the octagon? Khabib is
0: definitely in the conversation. Like his his record as a professional fighter speaks for itself. Like to get to 29 and 0 in a sport where people lose all the time is such an incredible feat. And I, do, I think Khabib has the most 10 8 rounds in history. So he has been very, very dominant in his weight class. I think Jones in his earlier career faced stiffer competition. And I also think that as somebody who watches the UFC, a striker is always going to be more captivating than somebody who just takes somebody down and wrestles them and submits them. That's just my opinion.
1: Yeah. Like I couldn't, like I'm, I'm not shooting in for a Khabib fight neither. Um, it's so funny, like how dominant could be. <laughs> like I remember tuning in two or three years ago when he fought Barbosa, and I was like, "This is the one. It's Barbosa. He's going to do it." It's uh, you know, Barbosa is a late striker, and the highlight reel of all the kicks, like and stop fights with body shots and things. And I thought, right, it's Barbosa is the one. He's going to do it. And that was like three years ago, and now like think of who Khabib's went through since then It's crazy. Like personally, like
0: as a as a personal favorite, like I
1: I hate I do actually hate the fact
0: that whenever people start talking about the UFC, the the goat conversation comes up far too much because it's like it's an unsolvable Rubik's cube. It's all opinion, it's all conjecture. But my my favorite in terms of their record and what they did, I would look at somebody like. George St-Pierre because George St-Pierre has two defeats on his resume and he came back and dominated both of those guys. George went up from welterweight where he was unquestionably the greatest fighter in that division and stepped up against Bisping and won the 185 pound middleweight title. That and just is exa- it up. and And to leave on a high, so few fighters get that Opportunity to walk away with, like George, still is a physical specimen. He's taken not a lot of damage compared to other top top elite fighters. I, like, and and I think as well, if you're going to like again, I don't want to get drawn into the greatest of all time bullshit. But if you look at Jones, there are question marks on Jones's resume in terms of banned substances. There just is. I think George has always been a martial artist first and somebody who has an integrity not to do that.
1: Yeah. I think the band substances definitely it's a black mark in his name. Like if any time the, the, the goat conversation comes up, you'll usually find that it's John Jones driving the conversation. You yeah. know what I mean? Anytime it comes up on Twitter, it's usually Jones is watching a fight that he's not involved in. Kind of like McGregor does. He's got that, that fear that he's not, you know, it's the fear of mess He's not the center of attention. And then he'll drive some sort of debate on Twitter.
0: I think if you pull it back as well to sheer entertainment and like a period of time, for me, nobody comes close to Conor McGregor's run at flyweight and then to step up and get the lightweight title. That period of time in Conor McGregor's career is magnificent. Like it was fucking flawless. Like coming back and winning against Diaz in the second fight like, such a close fight, such a war. Again, being able to step in with the guy who submitted you at the same weight, with the same rules, and to put it all on the line again. Like, that kind of fearlessness, I, I really appreciate it. But I don't know, can McGregor reach the heights that he did? And we'll get on to that a little bit. But um, if we look a little bit more ab- uh, about uh, UFC 260... Tyron Woodley against Vincente Luque it feels like Tyron is coming to the end of his time in the UFC
1: yeah <laughs> like completely I know I know there's been a lot of talk outside of the octagon he has different things like a rap career and he's involved in different things I don't actually know what is, it, is he an aspiring rapper I know that he had released a track or something a couple of years ago I don't know what he does outside of the octagon but like, I haven't I
0: haven't heard his music, but I have heard that he's devoted uh, a lot of time to his music. Yeah. That's out. always
1: the common the common criticism is he's he's half in, half out. Yeah. Um that's another guy who just needs to walk away.
0: It does feel like it at this stage. Now you could you could argue that who has faced stiffer competition in his last four fights? If you look at Tyron Woodley, Tyron took on Kamaru Usman. Tyron took on Gilbert Burns. Tyron took on Colby Covington. Tyron took on Vincente Luque, and he actually looked the best eh, against Vincente Luque. But yeah. I do think that it's nearly like actually, again. It's like it's it's so tough when a fighter fights past his peak because at one stage Tyron was the 170 Kamaru Usman. He was that terrifying prospect
1: not think he's been on a kind of a, a downward trajectory ever since the two Wonder Boy fights. Like, it just seems since then, you know, his performances against Wonder Boy people question them, but um, I, I just think it was a bad matchup, obviously. Both fights, stylistically, with, uh, Wonder Boy. yeah. But it just seems like since then, I don't know if that's played on him a little. And then he he seems to have a chip on his shoulder as well because when he was champion, you know, I remember him going on to the Joe Rogan podcast and talking about like, you know, he's not appreciated and he has all these unresolved issues with the UFC and Dana White. And I just think everything was just all those things were just a factor, and I think he just then his head does get turned outside the octagon. He starts to look at different avenues, and then I, I just think that. I think all those things probably played into the Tyrone Woodley that you're looking at now. It's kind of
0: the common theme of fighters, though, because like fighters at the start of their career, they are fighting for a paycheck. They are prize fighters. And getting to the top echelons of the sport means so much to them that they're willing to sacrifice all these other things that come with living a life as a human being. And when you get to the top of that peak, it happened with Ronda Rousey the opportunities that that you're open to or that come into your line of sight when you're the champion distract you from the thing that got you to the top and it's it's ju- it's just it just must be very very tough to climb that peak climb to that peak and stay motivated at the top
1: then the thing arose it was the people that she fought later in her career then were, you know, she 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 didn't have that elite competition, you know, on the on the way up, and then you know she's at the top of the mountain, and then you've got like these absolute killers like Holly Holm, and you've got uh, who else? But, well, obviously Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes is the her. one that's just like a man in in female
0: MMA. Amanda Nunes is a monstrous a monstrous prospect like it's very hard even to get like i would watch amanda Nunes fight but it's very i never never going into a fight at this stage do i think that she's going to not dominate her opponent on the ground or on the feet she she's just so
1: well-rounded did you see her last fight all like 60 seconds of it yeah it's so funny, like I said, it? it's just, just that good, like she's just head above, show. like she's just, she's that far in front of the rest of the competition, it just looks so easy.
0: Yeah, it's, there. there's, she's levels above anybody in her, and she is the only UFC champion who has defended both belts at the same time, nobody's done that before.
1: Which just goes to show you just how easy it is.
0: But as well, you can't you can't just say it's that easy. Do you know what I mean? As in, like, if it was that easy, she doesn't have to be that good. You know what I mean? She like she has put in the work to be that good as well.
1: I I don't think you can just say it's that easy as well. Yeah, she's just. I think is it partly the UFC's fault as well. Like, have they not got like the like the gap between Amanda Nunes and the rest of the fighters in her division? Like, why is it so? wide in comparison to the male to the male divisions you know what I mean why is she so much better than number 2, number 3, number 4? I don't know maybe if you were going to kind of read into
0: it as in like with male MMA fighters there's going to be a far larger talent pool if you look at female MMA fighters first of all there's going to be much less of a talent pool of women who actually want to fight other women it's just it's just less common and I don't, I don't know really. Like the the weird thing with Amanda is just there's no holes in her game. There's nothing. Mm. Like if you look at McGregor, McGregor's constant constant Achilles heel is once he gets taken down, you're kind of just like if you can survive the first two rounds of Conor, you and you can take him down and take his his explosive energy away. It's a problem for him. With Amanda, or take his leg, yeah, or kick or kick that <laughs> delicate calf. Like with Amanda, they're just. Uh, at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be any weaknesses in her game. But eventually, if she keeps fighting, I guarantee the competition will become evident. Like it's that's that's what happens. Like it's like, what is it, a rising tide raises all boats, like everything has to step up if the champion is that much
1: further ahead in the game. Yes. Somewhere in the world, there's somebody in a gym right now. Absolutely, you know, training to dethrone Amanda Nunes
0: if we look back at a uh, UFC UFC 260 Sean O'Malley against uh, Thomas Almeida I love
1: love love Sean O'Malley I haven't been that excited about a fighter since there's only there's few fighters that I will tune in for like no matter what I'll tune in for them Sean O'Malley's one of them Cody Garbrandt's another. another uh, and obviously I hope they. uh I hope they put Garbrandt up against O'Malley. I would love to see those two fight each other. What do you enjoy about O'Malley? It just... I don't know. It's just different when you watch him. It just transfers better. Like, everything just looks so sharp. It just looks so fluid. It just, it just looks like such an elite fight. Like, when you're watching it on screen, just the way he changes stances and... His face...
0: Uh, his faint the last day was just, like he he's looking backwards and and blind striking and stuff
1: just, like that. Just, just the rawness of him as well. The fact that he's also got this social media presence and obviously they were kind of critical of this walk off thing and how he wanted to go viral. But just I think that aspect of him too is just he's just he's very relatable. You know what I mean? He's just mm. you can tell that everything he does is for it's just a drive you know, excitement, get fans on board. He's, he, I just find him really relatable. I mean, you're watching him on, like, he just looks like a really wiry guy. Like, if you picked him out, on you know, if you're on a night out, like, and you pick a fight with Sean O'Malley, like, you know, like, you probably would think, I could take this guy. You know, what does he weigh? A hundred what, 35 pounds? He's wiry. He's got multicolored hair. And he's just such, he's unbelievable, like,
0: I think as well, it it always helps when you're a flamboyant character off screen and in the octagon, you can back it up with moments that are just, as you say, they go viral. Like Sean, Sean O'Malley's striking, like in all facets, his kicking game and his, his striking game, like with his hands, they're just at such an incredible level. And he's such a young guy. He's 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 another one who's trying to put it all
1: together. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the rare few that has everything. So Every, has... everything
0: like he, uh, do you know what I mean? We haven't really seen him tested on the ground yet. He has a purple belt in jujitsu.
1: No, I don't mean actually everything as in skill set. I just mean the whole package in terms of. Marketability it's just, it's and he's so can marketable. Do it. Yes, yeah, 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 And he's so like, relatable. Like
0: somebody like Khabib, Khabib couldn't have that presence. Yeah, that like larger than life presence outside and then, of the and octagon. Then, yeah, going and just and then going like, and maul somebody, somebody, maul somebody, maul somebody. It's just like, what am I exactly?
1: Like, what exactly? Whereas the likes of Sean O'Malley, you know, when he gets in there, like it's always from start to finish. Like, you're just at the edge of your seat.
0: I've been thinking about this recently like what do you enjoy about the UFC? Like what's what keeps you following it and tuning in if you have to have a think about it?
1: I think it's it depends who you're watching. Obviously, I mean, there's some fights that I'll take no interest in. So it's not, it's not just the sport because I won't watch the prelims and I'll maybe watch half the main card. So it's the people that I'm actually invested in and it's watching them fight. And it gives you like a little... Almost like butterflies when you're watching because you know the margins of error. You know, you know one slip and they're bait and you've been following their story. So it's kind of like if I'm invested in the actual fighter, it's just, it's just it's it's the butterflies, it's the excitement of watching them and watching, as you said, with McGregor, like watching his rise, that meteoric rise. Like it gives you like you a knew sense you knew of, you were at the time even that you were watching you're watching you something mean. special. Yeah, exactly, and it's like that. I think that's the buzz I get from watching it rather than the actual sport itself, because I'm still, I still don't, I'm still, I, I still don't grasp a lot of the sport. What's you know what I mean? I'm still, exactly. I, I'm yeah. still a layman, you know what I mean? So it's, it's the characters, it's the story arcs. It's
0: the emotional but investment that the, the fighters do outside the cage that gets you to watch them inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, like, one of the big things, like if I kind of compare it to football, like I was obsessed with football for a few years, but what UFC has kind of captured in me, like one of the main things that really uh, lets you understand fighters is that they're far more willing to hop on a podcast and talk real, like just be themselves Mm. and talk about the grind of what it is to be a fighter, the setbacks they face. And you you get this kind of real human element from listening to them talk in long form another thing is compared to football Premier League there's 38 games in the season there's no way even if even if Sky Sports build it up to say every game counts not every game counts it just doesn't every fight counts every fight is such it's such a personal journey for a fighter from the training camp to the injuries, to the weight cut. Like there's, there's a huge investment and like win or lose, like it's either the greatest moment of your life or when you hear fighters talk about how they take losses, like a loss can be devastating to a fighter. And again, I love that emotional investment where it's like these guys put it all on the line every time they step in. Another thing that I really, really appreciate is I think the UFC's promotions suck you in like nothing else.
1: Oh, yeah. The prom- like the embedded and the build up to a fight, the way the UFC really like they're they really know how to market an event, don't they? Like yeah, and like down, they're, down they're the fantastic.
0: And- they're fantastic at like creating a story within a three minute promo that makes you go. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I have to tune into this fight. Like this is you. You get a sense of what this guy's doing. You get a sense of what that guy's doing. And you're like, all right, this is an event. Like I'm in. And then I think yeah. the other thing compared to something like boxing, the vast majority of the time, if the fans want to see a big fight, the fight will get made. Hopefully, Jones and Ganu does get made. But the vast majority of the time, when you're tuning into a big UFC, there's at least one fight, two fights, where you're like. I cannot wait to see what happens between these two people.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's the boxing's detriment as well, because obviously boxing is on the decline now. And I think that a large part of that is because fans don't get to see the fights that they want to see. There's too many bodies involved. There's too many, you know, everybody has their own sort of, um, their own sort of, what's the word in boxing? They've got their own sort of agenda you know and a lot of like I know Ricky Hatton's son fought the other night his first professional fight like did you watch it
0: I'll be honest like, um there's boxing I used to love watching classic boxing fights do you know like if you go back and you're like you have to watch this fight like yeah. Tyson's fights Ali's fights yeah and um, I'll watch classic boxing like Hagler Hearns you know that kind yeah. of thing but boxing week to week month to month I'm not invested and I think as well, like I'd I i do not know boxing well enough to know how good the guys are in the ring, you know what I mean? I don't mm. know the like like you, you've you've actually trained in boxing, so I guess when you watch a fight, you can see more of the minute details that that are actually attractive, you know what I mean? Or that you're like, Oh my god, I can see what this guy's doing. I don't understand that about boxing.
1: Yeah. But I think my interest in boxing is definitely Wayne throughout the years though but I'm just going back like somebody you know in boxing like using Ricky Hatton's son as an example obviously there's big hype around him because he's obviously Ricky Hatton's son but you know like your first 20 fights in boxing you're fighting absolute bums like yeah they're irrelevant yeah so like who wants to tune in and who wants to actually invest their time and watching you know Ricky Hatton's son fight some some bum yeah, that's it.
0: Like, like when you tune into the UFC, there's always a chance that either guy could win. Do you know what I
1: mean? There are yeah. some
0: tune-up fights. Like, I I would argue that Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida was a tune-up fight for it's, Sean it's
1: O'Malley. A, it's, a t- it's a tune-up fight, but, but Almeida is there. Almeida is there on his own merit. You know what I mean? He's in the Absolutely. biggest organization Absolutely. in the world. He's there because he's one of the top fighters in the world. Absolutely, he's not, I agree. You know what I mean? Whereas in boxing, they're just put up against Journeyman. And there's you know there's people there's boxers that are there simply just to lose and to you know put the other guy up on a pedestal yeah you know i remember uh, a couple of weeks ago tyson fury's younger brother tommy Fury, fury's a reality star slash boxer and he's fighting some guy with a record of like i think like 18 fights and 18 losses you know how like how how, how do you take that seriously and that like how how do you Post get invested?
0: Like, like, yeah. like, like fighting is entertainment, and fighting exactly. it has there has to be emotional investment. I and mean, again, as you said, like when you when you see somebody who's stepping into the ring to get a win on their record, not to not to have a fight, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, it's just yeah. uninteresting.
1: Exactly. And what, like after that fight, what he learned from that fighter then? Yeah, you know what I mean.
0: I think as well, yeah. if you compare it to MMA, I like I would argue that boxing is the sport of fighting with your hands. MMA is just much closer to a fight.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. It's funny because if you do watch boxing now, if if you are a UFC fan and then you do watch a boxing, but like it's just, it's so, it's almost just, it's one dimensional. It's quite, uh, watching two people jab each other for three minute rounds. It's just, it's, 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 it can get quite mundane like unless you're, you're watching thinking, a knockout
0: artist like and like oh, like you want to see somebody
1: knocked out in boxing like that's that's what you want if unless that's what you're everybody tunes exactly. in for exactly yeah nobody tunes in to watch somebody win on points over over 36 minutes like yeah. you know you want to watch a quick knockout where it's like with ufc there's so many other dimensions you know there's so many ways to win a fight it just makes it so much more interesting If we look forward in
0: the month ahead, there are some interesting fight nights coming up, and then of course we have UFC 261 as well. So, in the upcoming fight nights, we have Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori, and the next week, we have Robert Whittaker against Kelvin Gastelum. What are your thoughts on both those fights?
1: I... Till is fighting who? Sorry, I don't recognize that guy. Is he top 10?
0: Marvin Vittori. I think he might just be top 10, but I I think it's more like Till would be the favorite for that fight.
1: Is it going to be middleweight or is it welterweight? Middle. Middleweight? I don't think Till is going to fight welterweight again. No. He just looks deplenished at welterweight, doesn't he? Um, I think... Uh... I don't know. Obviously Till's going to win that. You would, you would, you would think Till needs a win. Till's an
0: interesting character. Like uh you know when he was like in his teenage years, he was getting into a lot of trouble in Liverpool and his coach sent him over to Brazil. He uh-huh. learned he learned Portuguese over in Brazil in like 4 years. Within 2 months he had a uh, had a girl pregnant over there like he he's a he's a wild classic he's crazy like yeah classic tell he, he was on a podcast and he was telling the story he was like uh i flew to brazil within two months i had a, a woman pregnant darren till has arrived <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you think of darren till i i don't mind him at all but i'm not i'm not a massive fan of him like
0: i I like his character. I like his kind of like not taking anything too seriously, having fun attitude, but with a guy like that, similar to need- McGregor, you need to back it up with wins. Yeah. You, it you, needs can't, to be you, can't, you can't be, you can't be cocky and lose. It just doesn't yeah. it, like there's a, there, there's something has gone wrong. Like you, what you're talking and what you're doing aren't matching up. You can only be, you can only be a confidence hype train until you lose.
1: Yeah, like think like it was only three years ago he was in a title fight, and now he's like, you know, he had the obviously he had the hype train behind him get into that Woodley fight, and then ever since like you, you rarely hear of of, of Doran Till. Really. The only thing
0: that I would say is that if Till does beat Vittori, um, Till is one of the only fighters that Adesanya has mentioned by name recently. So if Till puts on a performance, Adesanya might single him out for his next middleweight defense
1: they're both they're both kickboxers aren't they
0: yeah stylistically it could be very interesting i don't know if till has enough to beat what adesanya brings at middleweight i I don't know but i would love to see him get the opportunity to fight for the belt
1: yeah that would be interesting but i think he's till's quite decorated like before he entered the fc is he not with kickboxing? i think he uh was very very successful kickboxer. I think before. I think he has the
0: potential to be a world champion. I definitely think he has the potential.
1: He just needs to, yeah. He just needs to sort the other stuff out. Like as you say, the way he carries himself outside of uh, the octagon, it just doesn't match what's happening inside. It just, it, just needs everything to align for him. He just needs to. Uh, I think the biggest watching Masvidal. Till, I think ever since the Masvidal fight, Till's kind of been. On the uh, on the down. Ever since that fight, it was kind of a really because it was a home crowd, and because he got kind of embarrassed, you know, in Liverpool. I kind of think ever since then he's kind of been.
0: I think as well, though, that like that happens where one fighter has to go down for another fighter to rise to monumental status. Like Masvidal, Masvidal for somebody who hasn't fought in a fucking long time is still one of the most popular. UFC characters at the moment does he get it done? against Usman at 261 Mm -hmm. just to finish on Whitaker Gastelum I think that will be a tremendous fight Uh, Gastelum looked very very good in his last fight I think Whitaker will edge it but I do think that that will be one to definitely tune into if we look at 261 the card at the moment is Usman Masvidal 2 Weiling Zhang versus Rose Namajunas and Valentino Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade I would guess like it's a weird one I, I like the character that Masvidal is I accept that he did take the first Usman fight on short notice but when I look at Usman versus when I look at like Masvidal I think Usman will always find a way to win at the moment. I think he's he's very, very dominant at the moment. Yeah, Yeah, he is at that level at the moment where just, like even against Gilbert Burns, when Gilbert Burns knocked him off balance and then lost his head and just, you know, like just the moment got to Gilbert Burns and he just, he tried to take his head off. Usman, as soon as he got hit, instantly he just went back into patience, calm, survive, and then started to dominate again. Like, rarely do you see somebody that's that controlled
1: in the chaos. Yeah. I think that's the thing with this one. He always looks to be completely in control in a fight. Um, I think obviously getting bread took that fight in short notice and we haven't seen, you know, what he could potentially do with a full camp, but I still don't, I just, obviously they always say there's levels to the game. I just don't think Jorge Masvidal isn't on any comparable level to Kamara Usman. I think the same, it'll be the same outcome. I think Usman will just completely dominate him.
0: If I if I had to make a prediction, it would nearly be similar to what I would have predicted for Stipe versus Nganu. I would say if Masvidal doesn't knock him out in the first two rounds,
1: Usman will grind him out in the five. I don't even think Masvidal has the potential to knock him out. Well, see, think, well I suppose, we'll see. I suppose Gilbert Burns did catch him, um. But it Guzman's like, chin is just unbelievable as well. Yeah. Again, there's no holes in his game. No, he just looks. Yeah, he's just he's just the complete, um, the complete athlete, isn't he? Like,
0: I think I think it'll be interesting to
1: see how the UFC market that fight as well, because
0: as you said at the moment. I would be reluctant to watch the second fight just based off what happened in the first fight. They're really going to have to get some interesting angle on the story. Like why, why does Masvidal think that he could potentially win the welterweight title against Usman when the first time he just didn't offer enough, didn't offer enough?
1: Well, the whole narrative they're obviously going to build then to get everybody involved is going to be the, the short fight camp.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like again, but does that really draw you in? Ooh,
1: (laughs) sure. I think you watch. I think you watch that fight regardless. I think even if Masvidal had a full fight camp, and Usman dominated them Masvidal is one of those fighters where you're you're going to tune in regardless. The trailer will be. The trailer will definitely show
0: him knocking out Askren at least 19 times. Anyway,
1: poor Ben. (laughs) What do,
0: you, what do you think of this Ben Askren, Jake Paul? Carry on, have you watched that press conference? I didn't watch the press conference. I think it's a bit of a farce. Like I think, I think Jake Paul has some good boxing fundamentals, but I think Ben Askren is one of the most elite competitors that mixed martial arts has ever seen. If I had to guess what happens, I think Ben
1: will take the will out of him. I hope so. Like Jake Paul I think Couldn't have Picked a better Opponent Yes Because of Ben Askren Obviously has Very little Striking he, he's, ability He's not a striker Like when you yeah. Watched
0: him fight Damien Maya, That was one of the Like it just looked yeah.
1: So awkward But at the end of the day Still an elite Martial one, artist
0: One FC champion Bellator champion Bellator champion He's He's not He's not a boxer Ben is a world class Competitor yeah, and that right, wrestling I that... toughness will will get him through. I would assume. Yeah, would but man, you have to you have to say as well. Fair play to Jake Paul. Like regardless, it takes balls to step into the ring with a real
1: fighter. It's true. Like he doesn't have to. I think Jake Paul's got a, a net worth of like fifteen to twenty million. It might be more now since he fought Nate Robinson on that Tyson uh, undercard. But so like, regardless of what a Dicky is like,
0: I. I do respect anybody that's willing to do that. I've you gotta respect done... the hustle. Yeah, you gotta
1: respect the hustle. He doesn't he need to do very... it because he's passionate no. about boxing. Like he could just continue creating uh, YouTube content. He doesn't have to like the training to be a boxer. For the remainder of the UFC 261 card, Wei Li Zhang
0: versus Rose Namajunas. The way I would see that going is Rose has tremendous striking, absolutely tremendous striking, but. I think in the overall game, I think Wei Zhang will probably dominate her. That's the way I would see it going if I had to guess.
1: Why didn't the UFC do Juana? Why did they not do that rerun that? That that is one of
0: the best fights. Like that's what I love about the UFC as well. Like rarely would I watch um, other female sports. I will watch uh, a female UFC fight if if it's a good fight. And that was that 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 might've been fight of the year for me
1: when it did happen. Like that was just a war. Mm -hmm. Do you ever watch female fighters on or female fights on world star hip hop? (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is world star hip hop?
1: Oh, it's great. Like a lot of it, 80% of the contents just fights. Like it'll usually be like somewhere like in like South central or something. And it's just two women just tearing lumps out of each other on the street. It's great stuff. But, um, yeah, I, f- I feel like they should have ran that back, that Joanna fight. That would have been epic. Like, the first fight was incredible.
0: It really was. And, and you could have said that Joanna might have edged it as well. Like, it was a very, very close war. Is she champion, then? Is uh, this a title fight? Wei yeah, yeah. Three title yes. fights on the line that night. You have Li Zhang, Rose, and then you also have Shevchenko versus Andrade. I would guess that that will be a pretty quick open and shut event. I think Shevchenko has far too much in the striking department.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. they Are actually they trying to get Shevchenko to fight uh, Amanda Nunez? Is that one that's...
0: I think in terms of weight, I don't think she's heavy enough to fight Amanda.
1: No?
0: I don't think Amanda can cut to... Uh, Shevchenko's 125, I think. I don't think Amanda can cut to that weight
1: right, yeah you're probably right um I don't think I've ever watched a Shevchenko fight she's lethal like her her she is one
0: of the best strikers in the UFC like she's 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 magnificent
1: is she do you think she's just gonna run through this girl
0: yeah I, I don't think it'll be that much of a test for her like with the with uh with Jessica andraj if she takes her to the ground it might be an issue for Shevchenko but I think elite striking. Is always just such a danger at the start at the start of a fight. So if I had to guess, I think Shevchenko will will keep her belt. Before we finish up, man, we have to have a little bit of a chat about the one fifty five division,
1: the lightweight division.
0: What are your thoughts there?
1: Uh, what, what fights have actually been announced? Is Chandler and Gaethje is that official?
0: As far as I'm aware, no. I think I think Chandler is going to fight Oliveira. I think that's that's in in the mix. And I also think that there's I don't think there's been official confirmation yet, but but from just reading a few like different websites, I think Poirier McGregor three is probably
1: going to happen in July. It's gonna happen. International fight week. Yes. And then what is that what about Gety then? Is he just on the
0: I think what happened is no, no. I think what happened is, and again, it's it's hard to know exactly what happened. I think Gaethje was offered the Chandler fight, and he didn't want to fight him. That's I think that's what happened.
1: What way do you see Chandler going with uh, Oliveira? I'd love to see Chandler win.
0: If I had to make a prediction about how the lightweight division unfolds in the next. Two years, I think Chandler will hold the belt. But be- I think Chandler will hold the belt in the next two. <laughs> I, th- I think Chandler will hold the belt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're in my head now. Shots fired! Shots fired! I think ch- I think Michael Chandler will be lightweight champion in the UFC by the end of
1: 2022.
0: I think he will hold that title oh, for this fight.
1: This this fight is for the belt, isn't it? This is for the vacant belt.
0: No, they haven't. They haven't announced anything like that yet. I don't. I think. I think what what Dana is still trying to do is this nearly tournament format. So I think, I think the winner of McGregor against Poirier will most likely fight at the end of the year for against Chandler uh, Oliver.
1: That's the way I would probably see it. Going. <laughs> Dana White is desperate for McGregor to get the belt again, like I say. Yeah, yeah, like it, like by default, like he, if if if, like
0: the the late great Tyrone champion that's sitting in front of me could win by default, he would give it to McGregor. Like <laughs> oh, Dana absolutely. is all about the promotion. But what I would also like to point out is that there is a fighter by the name of Islam Makachev that is coming up the ranks, and okay. he eventually will be as dominant as Khabib. I would see that happening as well.
1: Where's he from? Is he Dagestan as well?
0: Yeah, yeah. He, Khabib trains him. Like, Khabib cornered him in his last fight. He... I would describe him... Uh, probably as good a wrestler as Khabib and a better striker. Mm, similar similar style, similar dominance, but he can strike. He just... He needs... So, need, so th- like, what they're talking about potentially as well is... Islam against Gaethje, but nothing has really been announced yet. All Islam needs is a name. All Islam needs is top to 10. Take, take a name, but he will
1: be big in the sport. Give him just anybody in the top ten. I'd just give him like Tony Ferguson or something. He might, he might fight Ferguson as well, just because there's that old backstory with Khabib. But, yeah, um, or like a or like a Kevin Lee or something would even propel him. Kevin Lee at one fifty five. Mm-hmm.
0: Does he still fight at one fifty five, or did he move up to one seventy? Kevin, these are is he one seventy?
1: Is he once Is he fighting at one seventy? Who was his last fight? I always just associate him as a lightweight. He was a
0: lightweight for a long time, but
1: I think the and weight cuts were getting just
0: so much. brutal. Oh, that's right. So he got that staff infection and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. So um, I think he's out of the mix. Like, one fifty five has to be the most stacked division.
1: That's crazy. So it is. It really is. But I want to see Chandler win. I like Chandler's story.
0: Where do you think McGregor goes from here? Like, how do you see his career? Let's not say ending, but what do you think the the limelight of his career looks like
1: in the UFC? It's difficult. Um. Yeah, I think that loss against he needs to he needs to win this Poirier match for. Just to give the UFC option. If he doesn't win this rubber match with Poirier, there's there's absolutely nothing you can do with him. You, you can't you you can't market him the same way. Like you can't put him in line for title fights anymore. And if he's not fighting towards a title fight, like what do you do with him? Yeah.
0: I I think I think Connor definitely has the potential to beat Dustin in a rematch. Like, I think Connor's very good at making adjustments to his game. And I think he would have realized that that heavy boxing stance. Like, the sad thing is, McGregor went into that fight a little bit looking past Dustin and probably looking at the upcoming Manny Pacquiao fight. So he was definitely like bringing, um, is it Phil Sutcliffe? is his boxing coach like bringing him back into the fold you could see that he has definitely really put a lot of time into his boxing and that was kind of evident in the way he was standing like when you're fighting the southpaw as well and you're a southpaw that that first leg kick is just such a such a danger to you like and as mm-hmm. well if you look back at mcgregor poirier one Connor had that like craddy stance and the calf kick wasn't the devastating weapon that it is now. It just wasn't used.
1: Yeah. Is the guy Sutcliffe, is that the guy he pulled from the Crumlin Boxing Club?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's where Connor learned to box.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so maybe the game plan just was, it just wasn't right. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he comes in with something different for the third fight. I think, being realistic, I think that... If he does lose the Dustin fight, he's going to go and fight Manny Pacquiao. He's going to make another $100 million, And then I think he fights Nate Diaz for the third time and then calls it quits. Yeah. I,
0: again, I, I think everything depends on Poirier 3. If if he can get past Poirier, Poirier in the third fight, yeah. I think then he, a lot then of doors open table. again.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then if he doesn't, you know, then he is just fighting Pacquiao and Diaz. And I think that's that'll be the last we see of him.
0: And I know it always but, feels like it when you're waiting for a fight, but this this does feel like one
1: of the most important fights in McGregor's career. Yeah. It's exciting just to watch him fight twice in a year again as well, and not having a year or two hiatus. Like we only seen him fight two or three months ago and now he's gonna fight again probably in July.
0: I do think as well. With uh, a character like McGregor, uh, like uh, a villain like McGregor, I think, I think being a nice guy and not having the fans to react off, like part of McGregor's game is that he makes his opponent want to take his head off. Like he, he gets fighters emotional. And I think not doing that to Poirier was just such a, a mistake, such a, like he just overlooked him. Like it didn't matter with the cowboy fight. It didn't matter because you knew,
1: you knew that McGregor was going yeah. to find a, win, a way to win against Cowboy, which is so reckless. Like, like watching Dustin's route to that fight, the people that Dustin fought and beat was ridiculous. Like, and he was just,
0: you know, Dustin at one fifty five is a different animal.
1: Oh, he's a, he's a savage. Like, so he is. like I don't I don't think McGregor even wins the next one. I just think it's the same outcome. I guess we'll have to wait and see, Pierce. Man, it's been an absolute
0: pleasure catching up with you. And As always, this morning. Let's uh, let's try and do this again when we get past UFC two sixty one. Let's do it. All right, man. Peace. <laughs>